You are listening to Triple M's Homegrown. It is all Aussie, and I'm very stoked to have probably the biggest, I like to say modern rock artist, but it's, it's hard because you guys have been around for 17 years. Now this... Oh, sh- 17. <laughs> is it 17? That's what Wikipedia says. Wiki- yeah, Wikipedia's, I, I don't look at that. Well, the person that you that. can hear is Andrew Stockdale of Wolf yeah. Mother. How yeah. are you? Good, good. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back in Melbourne. You just got off a flight. It was a fun time, a, b- a bit delayed, a little bit scary, but but you got here in one piece. Um, actually, no, it was all it was fine. It was good flight. Everything was cool. I think they ran out of um, one guy behind me was upset because they ran out of uh, food. What? Or, yeah, and they offered him like a glass of wine or something. Isn't that the whole idea of flying? Is is the food? You know, you've got that's that's what I heard. The airplane food is the best, and that's why people fly these days. It's not about the experience, it's about the food. You just sit down and eat. And like a, a high-end yeah. restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Wolf Mother are about to kick off the Gypsy Caravan Tour, which is the first headlining tour you guys have done since 2009. How is that true? Uh, well, I think, yeah, on a Cosmic Egg, we did a headline tour, then we supported ACDC after that, and then... um. Then we've probably we've done Groove in the Moo, headlined that in like 2000 and when was that, 12 or 13 or something. So like oh, every year, you know, when you tour the world, tour America, tour Europe. So if you do like a festival run or a big support, it's almost like a headline tour. But um, but as an official headline tour, it's yeah, it's been, I think, five or so years. And this one is, is huge. It's taking you everywhere. There's 18 dates on this tour, yeah. which is huge for an Aussie tour. Yeah. But for a band that like you that is touring the States and Europe so often, mm. that's nothing. That's what you do in two weeks. Yeah. Like I look at 19 shows, it's like I don't even think about it. Like <laughs> I just think, oh yeah, 19 shows in Europe. But really I should like, if it's 35 shows, then you kind of think, you know, six shows a week for two months. And, mm-hmm. but that's, that's we have to work, you know, we're not like a stadium band where like anywhere from 500 to two and a half thousand to, you know, something bigger if, if we're unusually popular in Mexico or something, but you know, but you have to play a lot of shows to kind of make it work. And do you find, because you guys have been around for a while, uh, I remember purchasing a Wolf Mother CD. I know like all the kids listening out there are just like, what does that even mean? Who purchases mm. CDs? But yeah. I remember th- I remember that. I remember going into our local record store yeah. after seeing you guys play at a home bake in Sydney. Yeah. I'm thinking, I don't even know. And I don't even want to admit what year that was actually. I think yeah. it's better for both of us if I don't. Yeah. And And then loving it so much and going into the store. Now, do you find that obviously you have to play live, but you guys are quite old school in terms of your sound. Yeah. Do you still have that that solid following that does go out and purchase your physical albums? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Like um, one of our records, New Crown, we put out we put that out independently, and we only made five hundred copies of it. And uh, now it's worth like you know people are selling it for two hundred and fifty dollars per copy. And um, someone we 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 got onto it and someone took the mp3s and made a knockoff version has been selling it for 250 bucks online so yes there are people 
who definitely look for CDs and vinyl and and want that. You know, they want the artwork, they want that that full experience. But but you know, there's also you know the majority. I think of people just want to stream it off their phone. You know, that's it. But you guys do have a great live show. It's one of the best and one of the reasons why you're not over, only killing it overseas, but but you kill it here. And, you know, when as soon as it's like Wolf Mother playing, everyone has to get there. Tell me about mm. the live show for you because you do it day in, day out. Yeah. How was the thought process before you jump on stage? Uh, calm. It's very calm. And uh, it's, it's, it's a band thing. You know what I mean? Like when you're in the you're, – before you're about to go on, the band is like, there's a lot of solidarity, you know, everyone's kind of, there's this unspoken sort of uh, bond and there's this energy um, in the band room, on the stage. And it's funny, like, sometimes you just find these people who just hang out with you two minutes before you go on and then they disappear. And I've kind of thought, what is that? It's like they're just like plugging into the kind of, it's a weird thing, you know, like, and if... If you have a regular, you know, you can't buy that experience, you know, like, like this is what I do for a living, but it's also like, that's just what's happened as a consequence for me doing what I love, you know, and I do it, I would do it for nothing um, at the start, you know, now I like, of course I want to get something out of if someone else is doing well from it, I'm not like a total sucker, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You Except do it because you love it. You buying know? your buying your albums for what twenty five bucks and reselling it for two fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that that whole IP and all that kind of stuff is is open for debate, isn't it? Because like people kind of people put their own value on music and and sort of think that that's. Uh, what the artist has to do, you know, the artist has to just like take what they can get, you know, and you know, sell a t-shirt and give their music away and which I've done that, you know, I've done SoundCloud and I've done all kinds of things, but it's, you know, but when you see like a guy who's been like busking on the street, like, you know, and then they have like a song and a movie and they like get 30 grand and they buy a house and they have a kid and you go, that's awesome that like, their creativity has helped them to like have a you know a bit of stability in their life you know it's fantastic and was that so, what it was like for you guys because as i said you guys did play the festival circuit quite a lot in the early days and then it was just like jackass happened <laughs> it was the yeah. jackass the the film featured yeah wolf mother and and then from then it's like you just went to the states and never looked back yeah. is that what it was like internally for the band uh, like, did it happen really quickly or yeah. was it like, it just happened really with one thing? It, it was, um, um, well, the way I see it, like the first gig we did at, uh, the punters club, it was, uh, I used to be a photographer and I'd shoot like modeling portfolios. Would you believe it? Whoa. And I shot this, a guy's modeling portfolio and he was in a band and he, uh, said to me, I was like, what do you do? He goes, I'm in a band. I was like, Here's, I've got a demo. If you ever need a support band, let me know. And he was like, sure. So that's when I got the band together. I got the, you know, uh, the guys together and um, 
and we we did this gig and that first gig we got 65 bucks and free beer winning you know and that was in 2003 or four or something and then after that it's like do you you know it just went on from there like the next gig was Vic on the park then we made a website and we were getting 40 emails a day and then our demo that we made had a woman white unicorn apple tree uh dimension on it and we just recorded it with three mics onto cool edit with a onto a computer that I bought from uh, Grace Brothers for 500 bucks. <laughs> I had no money. I was like sleeping in a, a warehouse in on Liverpool Street in Sydney. It was 60 bucks a month rent, and I was six months behind in rent. Had no toilet, no shower, no kitchen. I was sleeping on the floor. And I recorded that EP and got uh, signed to Modular Records. Like, I mean, uh, I don't know, what was it like? two or three, when was it, two months later or three months later, and I said to the guy who owns the record label, I was like, how's that EP going? Is it going all right? He goes, you sold 20,000 copies. Oh, God. we had no airplay, no manager, no video, nothing, just word of mouth. And um, I was like, is that good or bad? Like, are we doing well? He goes, put it this way, every other band on our label has sold uh, 3,000 copies and it's been out for two years and then our thing just grew we went to New York we saw uh, we went and met uh, Virgin Records all these different labels our deal was sold for millions of dollars which went to that label not to us and we were touring around touring around I remember one time like we were like the hype band in Austin Texas and my girlfriend was uh, pregnant. We just had a, a child. I had 15 bucks in my pocket. Wow. 15 bucks. And I go down to the Four Seasons where my manager was staying. <laughs> I was like staying two to a room in a Holiday Inn outside of the Austin, Texas. And I, I was like, I got 15 bucks left. And um, so I got a taxi into Austin cost me $14 to get into the Four Seasons to meet my manager. He's like, oh, we got all these deals, man. We got this, we got this. Oh, everything's happening. There's all this wolf mother hype. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. Great. I'm excited. Um, I've got 15 bucks on me. Can you loan me some money? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? He goes, how much do you need? Uh, I was like, oh, whatever. He goes, is 100 bucks enough? I'm in, in Austin, Texas. He goes, yeah, sure, 100 bucks. Six months later, I get my first uh, profit loss statement from the manager. Mm-hmm. Said advanced to Andrew was of all the gigs and stuff that we've done, deductible one hundred dollars advanced to Andrew Stockdale, Austin, Texas. Wow. So yeah, when you talk about hype and it all happened overnight with Jackass, and it didn't happen all overnight, but that's half the trick. Every band wants to make you feel like that when it happens that it just happened, but. We Joke and the Thief was like the fifth or sixth single off that first record. And we had been touring around. We were in London. We were playing all these different places. And I, I spoke to the, the other manager, the manager's partner. And she's like, oh, we're trying out all these songs. We don't know what the next single should be. We, you know, Interscope Records, we're like playing Love Train 
and all these songs to like 200 people in a theatre and getting them to fill out a survey to find out which one they think would be the, the next single. How do you get that job? Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, look how times have changed now. And, um, and uh, what happened? And then I said to her, I was like, look, I don't know anything about singles or radio. Like, you know, like I can't pick a single. Like, but every night we played Joker last and people are just going nuts. I said, could you please uh, make this the next single? And, like, when you're an artist, like, everyone thinks you've, you know, your opinion has no weight. You have no experience. You don't know what you're talking you know, People are just like, sit down, shut up, go on the road, don't say anything stupid. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's kind of like the mantra. So I was lucky they listened to me. And then, like, two weeks later, like, congratulations, you got your first top ten hit. Wow. That's incredible. And now I'm talking to you 12 years later. Yep. What about the Jackass thing? Like, when Jackass happened, I didn't even know who Jackass was. I knew Wild Boys. I knew Steve-O and those guys. But, like, we just turned up to the Horden, you know, two nights at the Horden, 5,000 people a night. I just turned 30. And uh, we made the film clip that night and... The rest is history. Absolutely. And, and even that <laughs> fact that, like you said, that you knew from not only your own experience and your, your thoughts on your own music, that seeing the response from the live shows, which is where it counts, that's the people. Great tie-in. Great. That's, yes, that's, that's it. And that's it, though. And then they're the ones that knew. They're the ones. Their reactions was like, Joker and the Thief is a hit. Yeah. And that's what. that's what took you guys to that next level that was a huge next level. And that's that's the, uh, like, we did those, we wrote those songs to get a gig. We didn't, like, write those songs for people to listen to. It was just like, will this be a good gig? And that, I think that's the the best way to, um, for a, um, a rock band or an acoustic band or, you know, people, to just visualise the live context, you know, and... You know, like, it's funny, we talk about, you know, doing 120 shows a year or whatever. Like, when we started out, like, we would be stoked if we did one gig a week. Like, that was, like, crazy talk. You know, we, we that would have been our idea of success. You know, when I started, I, like, I remember someone was like, oh, you need to get a tour manager. I'm like, what's a tour manager? And we got this tour manager and, like, we played the big day out. I'm going back to the band room, the tour manager's sitting there with his hands in his head, at, like, we're having beers, watching bands. He's like, oh, when are we going to go home? When can we get out of here? I've been sitting here for 12 hours. I'm like, so is this what a tour manager does? You just sit around and wait to leave? <laughs> I have dubbed the title tour manager as babysitter as well. So. <laughs> no, well, I, I, yeah, I don't really... Um, subscribe to that even you know even when we made the record like we made that demo someone's like you need a producer i'm like what's a producer um you and someone's like you need valve amps and we're like what's a valve amp i've got like a like you know when i started i didn't even have a, an electric guitar <laughs> it was a it was a sakai 120 knockoff sg from king's cross that is so, everything you're saying is so DIY. And for one yeah. of the biggest rock and roll bands in the country, yeah. the fact that you 
are just like everything's DIY. It's still the same now. Yep. It's still the same. And like even like, I mean, I've met people from big bands. I won't name drop, but it still is like the Wild West out there. And there's naysayers even when you're in 5,000 capacity venues or even when you have, want to record a song certain way. There's people like, oh, why would you want to do that? No, I don't know if you like. You really have to kind of. It's the same philosophy from when you play to like five people to five thousand to fifty thousand. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's like the music is the one consistent thing, but everything around it changes. You know, time changes and the number and popularity can can change. Or and like you know, we turn up to South Africa and there's seven thousand people there. Wow. Yeah, we played in Cape Town and. Um, Somewhere else, uh, was it Cape Town and the other city that's near there? Johannesburg? Yeah. Um, and India too. Like, I mean, we played in India like two years ago. Uh, we, we always get all these messages on Facebook saying, would you mind playing here? And my booking agents like never reply to those messages on Facebook. And I called up this guy in India so you did reply to a message Sarush. on Facebook. Yeah, I was like, hey, it's Andrew from Wolfmother here. I got your message. He's like, oh, oh, oh. it was like one week. He goes, I said, do you want us to do that gig in um, Hyderabad? He's like, yeah, I go, when do you want to do it? He's like, next week. Like that, the end of that week, we're flying to Mumbai. We do a, a gig in Mumbai, a, a gig in Delhi, and a gig in Hyderabad. And we're like... We're driving to the gig in Hyderabad and um, one of the vans broke <laughs> one of the vans broke down on the highway and it like the petrol tank was on zero and Well like, that would explain why. Yeah, it broke exactly. Down. <laughs> and I said, Oh man, have you run out of petrol? And he goes, Oh no, the petrol meter's broken. <gasps> oh my goodness. I'm like Yeah, yeah. So it was just a continual thing. Like, you know, we're like driving up this like dirt track to this university, like donkeys and dirt tracks. And, you know, there's 5,000, we end up playing to 5,000 uni students in Hyderabad and they're loving it. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, so yeah, I do lots of random stuff. So that's just a day in the life of, of Wolf Mother though. That's just a normal, a normal gig for you. Anything, <laughs> anything can happen, you know, like, and then, you know, we, we've played in, it's funny that, that hotel where I had 15 bucks in my pocket, it's funny, like, we played Austin, Texas, like, last year to, like, 2,000 people, and I was like, do you have a day room here? I can go, guess where it was? Oh, no. The same room. No way. <laughs> How does that even happen? <laughs> it's the same hotel. I was like, oh, this is this is poetic. Look at me. <laughs> Ten years down the track, staying in the same place. And I hope you had more than $15 in your pocket at that moment. <laughs> I really hope you do. <laughs> you know what I thought when I was in this hotel? I was like, it's not that bad. It's all right. You know, like, I mean, I don't know if my standards have dropped or I'm just more kind of grateful for a shelter. <laughs> As opposed to the the warehouse once upon a time on Liverpool Liverpool yeah. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, after that show in Austin, Texas, like we were playing there, and one guy goes, "Oh, I'm coming to your next. I'm going to Australia in two weeks." I was like, "Cool." And we played at the 
some tavern in Rockhampton. Same guys there. He saw that gig, like, got a job working up in Gladstone, and I'm like, he's like, hey, man, yeah, I'm, we're living in Australia. I'm like, look at that. What, what, isn't that kind of cool? It's so cool. It's awesome. It is so <laughs> cool. Do you have, so you've got this next tour coming up, the Gypsy Caravan Tour. Yeah. Uh, Triple M is presenting it. Let's just give that dirty little plug there. Now, yeah. do you find that people do get in the cars and follow your band around the country? Uh... That yeah, that we not yeah. in a stalker way, in a pure love way. Yeah, we we uh, back in the early days, we had a few people like that, like a Virgin Airlines air hostess that was obsessed with us and would turn up to every gig. But she was a nice lady, but she kind of she when she was talking to you, she kind of looked like she was looking at the back of the ceiling through your head, like in this kind of glazed over, like cultish kind of yeah. But I kind of miss that. I like the, like, because you know you're onto something when you get the crazies who are just, which is, I shouldn't say that. She's she's a nice, she's a great supporter of the band. But, yeah, there's people, like, I mean, we played in um, Copenhagen and this dude's, like, rocks up with, like, the whole, like, wolf mother tattooed across his back. Get and out. And his, like, neck down to his ass, the whole, you know, and just go far out. Like, I hope I write a good song on the next record. <laughs> you kind of like, you really feel this like responsibility to like not, but you got to take risks as well, you know, like, but yeah, the, the people who are really passionate, I mean, they're not crazy, but um, they're passionate about what, what we do. And I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, uh, it's a huge mark of respect and, you know, it's, a, it's an honour to, to, to be in this position where people are that moved by what we've done, you know. So I, I think about that in the back of my mind, you know. I always think I've got to, like, do a good show and try and, you know, deliver the goods. <laughs> <laughs> that that is your number one job. That that's the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we do expect. But that's what yeah. you you guys do do do, and um and it's why not only has your live reputation been so successful, but just recorded as well. We play yeah. Wolf Mother. If there's a day that we don't play Wolf Mother on Triple M, something's wrong. Something's oh, wrong. Wow. Somebody somebody's not done their job right. You know, we we love yeah. it here. Thanks. Um, now, Thank you. On, oh, thank Thanks. you. Now, on your tour, you've got some great local supports joining you along the way. Yeah. None of them are actually sticking along for the full full slog, though. <laughs> none, of them, <laughs> none of them can do it as much as Wolf Mother. Tell me who you've mm. got coming on the road with you. Uh, Davey Lane. Um, from UMI? He's coming along from UMI, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's coming along uh, and Tumbleweed are playing in uh, Wollongong and Sydney. And uh, Immigrant Union are uh, uh, playing um, everything except uh, Adelaide and Perth. All right. So, th- so they they're up there. They can't afford it. <laughs> That's a <laughs> they lie. They can't afford it. <laughs> oh, we can't fly. Oh, it's too much, man. We can't. Yeah, but whatever. That's okay. And who have you got <laughs> heading down, down to the south with you? Uh, I think Davey Lane's going to come along. We might we're having some 
local psychedelic dude in Hobart who I've forgotten his name. He sounds like Tam and Paula or something, but it's it's pretty good. It sounds you know. Um, it sounds really uh, it's in, it's amazing what people are doing now by themselves on their laptops and. Well, it's kind of like how you started Wolf Mother. It's pretty <laughs> it's the much same. come full it's circle. The same. It is. You got, yeah. you know, your cheap computer. Yeah. You just got the bare minimum instruments. Yeah. You just press record on this weird program that you don't really know how to use, but it makes it happen. Yeah. And that's it. You just put something out there. Instead of recording a demo, you pop it on the, a website and hope that someone finds it and you pass it along until someone wants you to gig with you. It's pretty much what you guys were doing. That's it. Just so- without the internet. It's the beautiful thing about music is like it just goes, it just grows, you know, from uh, nothing to something from from the get go, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 great to kind of experience that in life, like to just see something kind of uh, take its course, you know, like uh, develop from from nothing, you know, because like. You always remember that, and you, it, it kind of gives you that kind of optimistic um, perspective on things. Like, I mean, the last Eastern European tour we were playing, the first show, this is 19 shows in December. Hang on, 19 shows just in one month. Yeah, it was yeah, like cool. November, December. It was <laughs> yeah, like cool. snowing and you know, really <laughs> freezing cold, and we started off in Budapest. I remember like the ticket sales, like initially it said like 25 tickets or something was sold and like we get there it's sold out and like 18 of 19 shows sold out but right up until the last minute it was like an uncertain thing so it's even even you know you never know you gotta like uh trust in the in the process that it's gonna work out but it's not always they will come sometimes you know We've had crazy stuff too, like in the States where it's just sold out in one minute. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I want to bring up the the tall poppy syndrome that we have here in Australia. Yeah. You are someone that is extremely successful overseas. Thank you. Have you experienced (laughs) that when you come back home? I have. I have. It's like... um, well, the thing is, like, this is a classic example. Uh, yeah, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs played uh, the Horden Pavilion and a certain someone in the industry was like, I was like, so they sold 20,000 copies and they're playing the Horden. Meanwhile, we've sold 70,000 copies and you're putting us in some crap hole. <laughs> for lack of a better word, and they go, oh, but they're international, Andrew. They're international and you're a local artist. I'm like, I'm, I go to Lollapalooza and I'm playing at 50,000 people. And they're in the side tent and we're playing before Soundgarden. You wouldn't even know what's happening. Yep. You call me a local artist. Like, I'm, it's almost like you're penalised like, for being Australian. It's like you go to America... And you penalize there too, because like I mean, everywhere you play, you got to pay. You're an alien, so you got to pay thirty percent tax up front. And then there's the merch as well. Is that right? You still got to pay percentage of merchandise 
to the venue or something like yeah. that as well. Yep. Being Australian, it's like you got to be ready for the challenge because if the odds are stacked against you in, in America and right up to this date, you know, I had a sold-out show in Chicago and they're like, alien, 30%, sold-out show, alien, 30%, straight to the IRS. I go, far out. But if you're American, you can do your own tax and you can deduct your expenses and all this kind of stuff. So you got to be hardcore to make it work over there. Then you come back here and you're told that you're a local artist and that you're below the international thing, but you're doing the international thing anyway with your hands tied behind your back. But you just got to, you know, I say I've eaten so much humble pie, I'm obese. <laughs> <laughs> but who cares? You know, it just doesn't matter. Just But at the end of the day, you get to do what you love every single yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, don't make, I hope I don't sound like I'm complaining, but I mean, I'm just the tall poppy thing and... Australians' perspective of the, themselves and the value that they put on their own um, uh, musicians or artists. You know, this has been going on for a long time, you know, like before I came along. You know, the first time I was told, like, oh, you're getting tall poppy, I was like, yes, I've made it. <laughs> you know, like you look at the art world, like, I mean, the, the thing, like, Australians really need to, like, the impact, when you look at the population of this country, 20 million people, and the impact that music has had on the world is insane. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can go to a Museum of Modern Art in New York, and I guarantee you not one Australian painter will be in that gallery. No one will make it. You know, I've won a Grammy. I've been on Letterman. I've been on Kimmel three or four times. I've been on everything. I've played every festival in the world. I come back here and let people... Oh, do you play music? Or do you, what? Oh, what, oh, is that, oh, there's the guy from um, Wolfmonger. Oh, is it Wolf? <laughs> Wolf, oh, yeah, the Wolf. You go, yeah, whatever, man, whatever, yeah. And do you have those moments where, <laughs> you know, you've flown back from playing Jimmy Kimmel or being at the Grammys and then you just go down to the local supermarket and people are like, oh, look at that guy, look at his crazy hair, he's a, oh, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> do you, have you ever had one of those moments? Oh, that's all the t all the time. I mean, like when when we won a Grammy, like uh, you know, it's not like I was loaded. Like, uh, like seriously, we're we're touring America for nonstop, and we got a hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar tour support. So when we got our first like computer game, it was like seventy grand from Scarface. Like that check went straight to the record label. So we're like, I was renting. Uh, you know, uh, my girlfriend was pregnant. We're renting her sister's spare bedroom for 200 bucks a week. And I'm doing interviews sitting on the back deck being the most, what's it like being one of the most hyped bands in the world? I'm, like, I'm cool. telling you now, <laughs> I can tell you now, but, uh, you know, back then it was like, um, like exactly what you're saying. You know, you have a, you induct Led Zeppelin into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then you go back to like a rental house in Brisbane where you're like living one block away from your grandma's house. That's low it. on the lawn. <laughs> but now, like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's taken 10 years, or, but I'm doing really well. And like, you know, we, we played 120, pretty much every show sold out around the world, Guns N' Roses support. I mean, you could put 
do the maths, 2,000 people and I, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Everything's fine. I'm stoked. But, yeah, the in music, it's like the reality of, um, it's like, it's like, you got to be a long distance runner, you know, you got to hang in there for the, the long game, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and it's not all about money either. Money's great, but also I do it because I love it, you know, and I don't like get some massive check and just like go, I'm not doing music anymore. You know, I, I, you know, get a massive check and then go paint, you know, d- build a studio and write another record and put it out and go on tour. Cause I think like, You've got to like, um, you can't rest on your laurels and think that, you know, uh, the world owes you a favor and you can sit back and just like eat in restaurants and watch TV. You know, you got to like, you got to do what you do. You got to share your gift, as they say, or your talent with, you know, this is my contribution to society. You know, I feel like. You know what I mean? So I have to, I, the monetary thing is, is all relative, I think. And that's the way it should be because otherwise you're making music that lacks any sort of soul, yeah. any sort of purpose, and it just becomes empty and that's when... Empty and vacuous. And that's when people just either stop caring or they're just listening to something for the namesake, which is, is mm. not what it's about. And you can go to, to L.A. and find yourself in that very hollow situation where everyone's kind of like, yeah, is this good? I don't know. What do you think? Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I've so-and-so said that was, and you just like, it's just like all, no one really uh, knows what they like. They just, but it's also that positivity there can kind of pick things up as well because they're just like optimistic about everything. Which is what the opposite is to here. You know, you've got here where it's like, nah, nah, you're just a little local band. But there, they're like, yeah, you could play this arena. It's, yeah, it's- yeah, that optimism can get you a long way. And, like, I'm guilty of being, like, a naysayer myself, you know. Like, I, like I've seen things and people, like, I remember uh, Kings and Leon were, like, playing the big day out and I was talking to a, a, the Caleb. Caleb, yeah, the singer. And he was um, he's going, oh, man, I just played this song in the foyer last night and everyone was singing along to it and that must be a good song and I was like man as if you'd say that hey Jesus guy's like blowing his own <laughs> trump and then I'm like the next you know then like a year later sex is sex on fire is getting you know I walk on it falls and there's they played sex what's it called sex on fire yes yep they played that before we walked on 50,000 people singing sex on fire so, like, you know, I'm, sometimes you just don't see it yep. or you don't know. Like, it's good to have a bit of that, um, you got to keep an open mind, you know, like, but. That's it. Yeah. I don't think anyone saw that coming with Kings of Leon, though. Like, that yeah. huge success that, like, that song was my mum's ringtone on her phone. Yeah. And I'd seen that band every time they tour Australia and then that next time, my mum came along with me, which I never, ever thought would happen, that yeah. I would have my mum next to me at a Kings of Leon show. It you don't want to hear them. your mum singing Sex on Fire. That, that's a tra- traumatic experience. It was her ringtone <laughs> for when my dad called her, even worse. It's like, yeah, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I, I'm just going to 
yep. try and forget that. Yeah, I did until right now, actually. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> now, um, we are going to let you go because I'm sure you've got a busy day. Yeah. What can we expect from the show? It's the, the number one question, you know, it's the question that every interview asks you. But what are you looking forward to most on this national tour? Um, I, uh, I don't, you know, when I, I get asked this a lot, what can people expect to see? And I just like, yeah, a backdrop and three guys on the stage sweating their asses off playing the songs, (laughs) you know, and I don't know what it is. Like, is it the songs? Is it the energy? Is it, uh, there's some, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, rock and roll, like, or Wolfman, you write it down on paper and you go, nah, that doesn't add up. Like, even if I told you, like, it's like, if I was like, you know, Gene Simmons going, you are going to see the best show of your life. It's going to be the greatest stage production. We're spending $100,000 on lights and fireworks. And you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I sort of, I, I think it's a bit of a, unknown quantity you know what I mean I think it's a sort of uh it's a tribal thing I think I just like speak to people through music you know even like talking I might seem like you know you know I've turned up to gigs and people are like oh you're the guy who plays on the stage <laughs> like yeah and they walk out and something happens like I turn into this a bigger sort of personality or presence or the other guys have their energy and their presence as well. But uh, I think it's just the um, the unknown thing of of performing and standing on a stage that that I can't describe to you. I'm not sure what it is. I don't even need you to because the thing is we're going to go to the show and we're going to see it and we're going <laughs> to yeah. feel it and there's no words that can ex- that can describe that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't worked it out yet. That's okay. Don't don't do it. You <laughs> you will, and then you'll retire. <laughs> That's it. It's like you know, Jim Morrison said, "Is like as soon as a scene works out what it is, then it becomes self conscious, and then it's over. It's almost like bands need to be a little bit uh, uh, unaware, or like because that's can be the thing that's uh, at least I I believe in that." I believe in that, yeah. And it seems that's what you've been doing since the start. You know, you've you've made these songs. You've not really gone out to write a pop song, or meaning a popular song. You've not gone out to sell out stadiums or play with the biggest guitarist in the world, Slash, or, you know, pay tribute to Led Zeppelin or get a Grammy. Mm. But you've just done what, what you've done, which has just made music that you want to experience live yourself. And it's got you this far. So congratulations, yeah. Andrew. Oh, hey, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what the Grammys were. I mean, I didn't know what the Arias were. I didn't know what platinum records or, you know, like... I went in the Battle of the Bands at the Punters Club when I was 18 studying photography at RMIT and came last in the Battle (laughs) of the Bands. Uh, So, I mean, the journey has been, to this point, has been... uh, It's all amazing. It's all, you know... Uh, a bonus. It's all icing, you know, like, and, you know, of course, like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to sound like some, like, cheesy optimist, but it, <laughs> maybe that's why I kind of still do it, but, you know, because it, 
it, you know, you, you can turn up to places and you just go, oh, far out, what are we, you know, like, we were rocked up in some bus in somewhere in Germany, like, it was cut Brennan or something, and there's, like, homeless people all around the back of this venue and gypsies, characters, and dem- demolished buildings and, you know, places in Baton Rouge where we go, oh, let's go to the shopping mall, and every shop in the shopping mall is shut down. And, you know, the weirdest places, hey, and then that night, sold out, you know, 2000, and it's like this exciting thing, but it is kind of, uh, what's the word? It is um, eye-opening, you know? Like, I bet, yeah. I bet. It's incredible <laughs> yeah. that this is a dead city, a dead city yeah, that comes ba- alive for a band from the other side of the world. Baton Rouge definitely seemed like that. It was like very, you know, I've seen all sides of America and some, you know, Detroit as well, like where just the whole city is just like, you know, abandoned. Most of it's like abandoned. But there's some magic there too, you know. There's like some, uh, there's a lot of soul there. Like, but I, you just got to keep an eye out, and you know, you find something good about anywhere, you know. Like, that's 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 my new problem is that I'm starting to like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I guess that's also the magic of music is that you can be in different languages, different towns, different climates every aspect, yet this one band brings people together and gets people out, you know, and, and that's the power of your music is that you just have people coming out no matter what city you're in and, and enjoying the show and that gives them, yeah. whether it's giving them a break, whether it's giving them, you know, a bit of a release, Yeah, it's your music and your creativity that's doing that for these people. Yeah. Yeah, we had this one guy, like what some crew guys, like one guy was like, oh, 13 or 10 more sleeps till we go home. Is that when you fired him? And I was like, just go home now. Yeah, like, I love it. Like, we had this lighting guy on the last European tour who had one leg. <laughs> he had one leg. And um, we were, the, the crew were doing two to a room, and uh, he didn't want, he wanted his own room. And we were like, oh, man, it's got to be two to a room because we just don't know, you know, we've got to start off. Anyway, he quit after the first night. He, oh. he left, and I was like, I love it when people just, like, split, like, when they just do what they want to do. Yeah. Like, I sort of almost have, like, respect for this guy for just, like, splitting because, you know, you get these people who, like, are where they don't want to be, and you're like, man, just find your thing and do it, you know, because, like, really you should want to be there. You know, everyone is there because they want to be there. And, you know, that, that's my gauge of, of the whole thing, you know, just trying to just get people who are excited about it, you know. That's it. That is beautiful. That is magic. <laughs> that is magic. <laughs> now I'm going to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for joining us here on Homegrown. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And there is this Cassie. massive pleasure of pleasure. Pleasure. What, yeah. what word am I trying to say? There's a massive lot of bands out there that are new that we are playing on the show yeah. that are so strongly influenced by Wolf Mother. I'm sure they're there listening, learning all of this great advice from you. It's oh, like, wow. Hey, well, thanks for letting me uh, 
carry on so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure.